Back in Easter, on Easter, we started a series called Come to the Table. And sometimes we think that God is a God that is really into separation or building walls. But what God was doing through Jesus on the cross was not building a wall of separation, but he was building a table. And he was saying, come, I've, I've got a place for you. And I want you to come and enjoy fellowship, togetherness. Of course, the symbolism of the bread and the wine shows that God has nourishment for us. He nourishes our soul and restores us. And so today, maybe you are discouraged and you're upset and you're feeling a real anxious today. God says, come to the table. I know how to minister relief for your anxiety. Perhaps you're recognizing today, you know, I've, I've been abused. I've been misused in this life. God says, come to the table. I have healing for you. Whatever your situation is, whatever's happened in your life, God is saying to you, come to the table. I have provided a pathway and a door. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and my sins. Come to the table through Christ. I know how to bring healing to your life. So I think God has a word of restoration for a lot of people here today. Can we just right now pray, God, please speak to my heart. Please speak to me. I want to be restored. I want to be all that you've called me to be. And so would you speak to me in the next few moments? Give me a word that I can really hang on. Give me a word that I can go for it in this life. I believe God's going to speak to you today. Well, we are in the book of Jonah. We're finishing up our series, Come to the Table. We've looked at the book of Jonah, and we're, it's only four chapters long. And we're in the fourth chapter now, but actually what we're going to do is go back and do a real quick overview and really see what this book is about. We think of the book of Jonah, and of course we think of Jonah and his disobedience and how he was in a ship going in the wrong direction. Then there was a storm, a fish, praying. Then he does go to Nineveh, the city God told him to go to, and uh, he preaches repentance, and, the, and, the, and they repent. They really come around and say, okay, we need to forsake this evilness that we've been doing and seek the God of the Jewish people of Israel. And now we're in the fourth chapter, but really want to look at what is this book about? Is this book about Nineveh and the Assyrian people and their conversion to God? Or is this book about Jonah? Or even better yet, is this book really a way of God showing us his tenacious love for every one of us? I would submit to you that it's the last. It's that one. God is showing us through the book of Jonah his absolute tenacious love for every one of us. He pursues us with a tenacity. There was a, there was a poem many years ago written about the hound dog of heaven meaning the Holy Spirit, who just tracks us and tracks us and pursues us and pursues us until he's found us, until we finally tire and we give up and we say, okay, God, you have shown me how much you love me and I surrender. God is pursuing you today. He's saying, I love you. I am pursuing you. And I'm not just pursuing some outward form of obedience. But what he's pursuing is your heart. The thing that you're guarding, the thing that you're protecting, the thing that you're covering and saying, no, I've been hurt too many times. 
I don't want anyone to hurt me again. I'm protecting my heart. Well, that's what Jonah was doing. Well, let's look at this book of Jonah again and glean a couple of scriptures and really see the heart of God as he's pursuing the heart of Jonah. Well, in uh, Jonah chapter number one, of course, it starts with God. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God is speaking to Jonah and saying, I've got a plan for you. I've, I've got a mission for you. But it was a mission that Jonah didn't want to go on. It was to the enemy, a ruthless people. Even non-biblical accounts will tell you that the Assyrians of that day were absolutely ruthless. And Jonah was like, man, I'm, I'm used to going to Israel, to the king of Israel. I know I have a good reception with him. We have a good relationship. And, and when I bring him a word, he's going to accept it. But those Ninevites, wow, I, I don't think that's a good plan. And God, I don't think I like what you might do for them. I'd rather you do something to them, but I think you might be wanting to do something for them, and I'm not for that. And so Jonah says, no, I'm going in the opposite direction. He gets on a ship, he's sailing, the storm comes up, God provides the storm. Jonah requests that the sailors on the ship throw him overboard, they do. The storm calms immediately, and the sailors on the ship say, something just happened. We don't know what just happened, but something just happened. Because this is something supernatural. The, calm, the storm just calmed in a moment. Well, then they began to repent of their sins and begin to worship the God of Jonah. There's salvation right there in chapter number one. But then God provides a fish, and... Jonah is swallowed by the fish. He's in the fish three days and three nights. It's impossible for that to happen. It's an absolute miracle. If you believe that God created all the stars and the planets and the universe, then it's not easy. And I mean, it's not hard to believe that someone could survive in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights if there is a God and he has a plan. And God did have a plan for Jonah. So from the belly of the fish, Jonah cries out there in Verse number one of chapter two, it says, From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Now, Jonah was in the deepest, darkest place he'd ever been in, and some of us have been in some deep, dark places, not in the belly of a fish but you and I have been in some deep places. Maybe you're in a deep place right now. I have good news for you. Not to minimize what you're going through, not to minimize what you're experiencing right now, but God listens to you when you pray. If you'll cry out to God, He hears you. He's listening right now. He hears every word that you say. He's paying attention to you because He's pursuing you. And this deep, dark place that you're in is not his plan to be the end. It is his plan to be a season that you go through and you come out on the other side better and not bitter. The season that our country is in right now is a season. And aren't you thankful we're coming out of it? And Jonah cried out in that deep, dark place. The deep, dark place that you're in right now God has not forsaken you. Where is God? He's right there with you. He's listening to you. 
and he's got a word for you. He'll listen to you and then he will speak to you. I think about uh, in the New Testament, uh, the apostle Paul and Silas, they had gone to a city called Philippi and they had preached the gospel and there were miracles that happened, great things happened, but not everyone is excited about God doing great things. And there was a riot, people were upset, they took Paul and Silas and literally beat them up and then they threw them into prison. They were put into the in, in, interior of the prison, into the innermost portions of it. And they were evidently bleeding. They were chained. And it's dark. It's midnight. But they began to sing and praise. In their darkest hour, they began to praise God and worship God. I would imagine that was a little difficult. And it may be difficult for you right now. You're thinking, man, I... I'm in a deep place, and, and how can I praise God? How can I worship God during this time? Reach deep down inside and begin to praise. Even if it's just a little bit, begin to praise, and I would say to you that in that dark hour, God's got a plan for your life. He's gonna to speak to you, and that praise will become easier and easier and easier. Maybe it's a marriage that's falling apart, a business that's going under. Maybe the financial pressure that you're under right now is overwhelming. Not to make light of that at all, but God still has a plan and he's listening to you when you pray. I remember a, a deep, dark time in my life several years ago when I, I was just at the end. My heart had been hurt many times and, and I was just done. I was like, man, I don't get this. I don't understand this. But God was still listening when I prayed. He still answered. He still has a plan for my life. And he's bringing that into fruition right now. And he's doing the same thing with you. Continue to pray. God's listening. Well, God did listen and God told that fish, um, you've got an upset stomach. And the fish literally threw uh, Jonah out of his mouth onto dry land. And so now Jonah has a change. And he, in chapter number three, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. And Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh and he begins to preach. And he preaches, hey, this is what God told me to tell you. In 40 days, you better shape up or you're gonna be overthrown. But if you'll repent, God will be gracious to you. It's interesting though that we're going to see this in just a moment. Jonah was doing obedience. He was doing the act of obedience, and God used him. And all of a sudden, uh, the Ninevites repented, and they really did take Jonah at his word. They knew this guy is a messenger from God, and we better repent. And so they changed their heart. They changed their mind, and they began to worship God and make vows to him and, and serve the Lord. They were converted to the God of the Jews. But then we find in the last verse of chapter three in the first part of chapter four, let's read that, it's just so interesting. I think the fourth chapter of Jonah is one of the most peculiar verses in all of the Bible. So the uh, end of chapter number three, when God saw that the Ninevites, how they had turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Look at chapter four, verse one, it says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. 
He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? In other words, back in chapter one, when God spoke to him about going to Nineveh, he said, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Isn't that weird? Here, Jonah is a prophet of God. He has trained himself to hear the voice of God and then speak what God tells him to speak. And then when it comes to going to Nineveh, it, everything changes. He says no, and his no becomes an active no. He's going in the wrong direction, but God pursues him. God provides a storm to get his attention. God provides a sea to show him you're in danger. God provides a fish to bring him a really strange kind of security. And then he repents. And then he goes to Nineveh and preaches, but his heart wasn't in it. He actually did not even want the Assyrians to repent. Have you been there? Have you been in that situation where you repented and you said, okay, God, I'll do it. Okay, God, I will do it. I'll go to church. I'll go to a life group. Okay, God, I'll, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. But your heart wasn't in it. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Your heart's not in it. You're doing the deed, you're doing the obedience, but, but your heart's not in it. That's, what, that's where Jonah was at. And here in chapter four, he, he really gets honest. And Jonah reveals his heart, but he didn't reveal his heart to God. God already knew his heart. God knows all of our hearts. He revealed his heart to himself. And he did that because God continued to pursue him. God continued to orchestrate a plan and a path so that one day Jonah would reveal his own heart to himself. And he would recognize, man, my heart is messed up. Jonah was so messed up. I've been there before. Maybe you have, maybe you're there now. You just look at you going, I don't know which way's up from down. I know that maybe I've been to the table of God. I've, I've had fellowship with him and I've enjoyed that, but my heart got hurt and things went south and I didn't understand why this happened and that happened. And I left, gone. And then you recognize that's a miserable place to be. God put you in some dark places to get your attention, to let you know that he still loves you and he cares. And you've come back kind of half-heartedly. You've come back halfway. You're doing the obedience, but your heart's not in it. And this is what Jonah was experiencing. But this is a book about God, not really the Ninevites and not really Jonah. It's about God's unending pursuit of our heart. You see, someone asked Jesus, look, what's the greatest commandment? I mean, just you know, boil it all down. Just tell us what's really, really important. Tell us the commandments that we really need to do. And Jesus' response was so different. He said, love. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's love. And love does not come through actions. Love comes from our heart. Now, we may, we may show love with actions, but it comes from the heart. Just doing something isn't what God's looking for. You remember 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. He says, though I, though I give all I have to the poor, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Though I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but without love, it's just a clanging gong. It's a, a resounding cymbal. He says, you can do all of these things, but without love, it's nothing. And the thing that God is pursuing is a heart of love within us. Sin messes up our heart, our discouragements, uh, the things that we've done wrong and the things that people have done wrong to us. It tends to cloud our heart. It tends to put it into a, into a shell. We, we want to protect our heart, and so we close it up. And God is saying, wait a minute, I'm here to restore your heart. When King David had sinned and, and he was uh, confronted by the prophet Nathan, shortly after that, he wrote in Psalm 51, he said, Lord, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. He used that word renew twice. And he was talking about his spirit, his heart. And that's the very thing that God wants to do in our lives today. Maybe we're just halfway. Maybe we're doing the obedience, but our heart's not in it. God says, I'm not satisfied with that. I haven't left you and I'm not going to leave you, but I'm pursuing your heart. With all that I have, I'm pursuing your heart. God is pursuing your heart today. And he's saying, I will not be satisfied until I have your heart. Will you give him your heart today? Yeah, you've, you've been through some dark stuff. It's been difficult. But God is still pursuing you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't said, oh, you've done too much. You've gone too far. God loves you just the way you are. He's pursuing you. And he's saying, I love you so much. I love you the way you are, but I love you so much. I won't allow you to stay that way. I've got a better plan for your life. And he's saying, come back to my table. Come back to my table. I've got a place for you. No one's going to take your place at the table. It's still your place. Come back. I'm not going to give up on you until you come back. And that's God's word for us today. Let's come back to the table of, table of fellowship, a table of unity, a table where we can relax, a table where we can find nourishment for our souls, and our souls can be restored. It is a table of nourishment. It is a table of healing. It is a table of fellowship. It is a table where God makes what was wrong right. He makes a right spirit within us. Everything you've done wrong is washed away, pushed out, forgotten when you're at the table of God. And he's saying, come back. Come back to the table. The Apostle Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 10. He says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, 
after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. My encouragement to you today, the book of Jonah is not really about Nineveh. It's not really about Jonah. It's really about God showing us his tenacious love. He pursues us until we finally exhausted give up and say, God, okay, I surrender to you. Are you ready to surrender today? Are you ready to say, okay, God, I give up. I'm giving you my heart. Again, I surrender my heart to you. That is what God's looking for. That's how much he loves you. He will not stop until you give him your heart. Will you do that today? And I'm also talking to those who are Christians, those who have accepted Christ as your Savior, and yet, for some reason, you got up and walked away. And you said, no, I, I, I'm not going to do what God's called me to do. But now today you're realizing, you know what? God's been pursuing me. He hasn't given up on me. He's pulling me back to the table, he, back into fellowship, back into healing, back into a place of wholeness. That's what he has for you today. That's, I believe that's God's word for us today and for you today. He has a place of wholeness and healing for you. Let's come back to the table, okay? Let's pray together.